All right, good people. You are in for a fabulous episode here with YM Nelson, author, podcast creator, English teacher. And nerd romantic writer. Nerd romantic writer. I know I kind of got schooled a bit, and I mean this in a very positive way, about the genres of romantic novels. When she talked about the steamy continuum, it was really steamy. You guys got to stick around for that. It was something something to definitely get schooled on, for sure. Um, Her grace, her humor, her intelligence, her fun attitude about life, and she just lights up the show. Top down. I agree. Um, She's a great reason to subscribe to this show and to go to our website and click on the um, store and buy some of our merch. But more, she's got her own website, which you will find in the show, and you can go buy her books, and they sound great. In fact, you'll find out in the show I signed up for one. So I'm looking forward to reading that. And again, thanks to our sponsor, Adrenochrome Cola. And to uh, YM for what a wonderful time we had. Sis, hello? Two outlaws on the lam, taking the back roads through America. You can't drink enough coffee for this show. <laughs> and now it's time for Monday Madness with the Moped Outlaws, Greg and Mark. All right. And we're live with another episode of, 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 of I forgot the name of our podcast. Outlaws. He, oh, Greg is already really smitten with you, YM. I can tell he's just so off his game. No, it's it's the next episode <laughs> of Moped Outlaws. We're here with our guest, YM Nelson, who's an author, a host, and a nerdy romantics podcast host as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So thanks for coming. Oh, you're welcome. Of course. Um, thanks for having me. Wow. I want to get something going right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Which Star Trek captain? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to say um, I'm going to break this down in two ways. <laughs> First, uh, when I fell in love with Star Trek, it was Picard because oh. I'm a TNG fan and uh, I'm going to age myself here. I'm, but all my, all my fans know I'm in my forties. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I grew up on TNG. So um, Picard, first love. Um, right now, I'm loving. Um, right now, I think I'm loving out of the new kind of crop is. Um, Michael Burnham from Star Trek Discovery. Mm. Yeah. And what's his captain's name? Is it, it's not Bur- Burnham, is it? That's the actor. Burnham, name. yeah. The, and it's her. Yeah. Oh, her. Star oh. Trek Discovery um, has a black female captain, captain. And her name is Michael Burnham. The is character's that, name. Yes. Is that, yes, that the character's um, name? Is that the series that Tig Nataro? has a role in she's like yeah. the yeah 
Yes. Yes. I think so. I think so. Um, she's, um, remind me who she is again. Cause she's, it's been a minute since I've well, seen her. Well, she's a stand up comedian and she plays a very stoic engineer. She's got short crop hair and she's, um, I, I don't, I, I'm a huge Tig Nataro fan. So I've just gone on YouTube and watched clips of her scenes in whatever. And so, okay. And so now I'm going to have to, you know, because I know like a lot of the old school, I know like their their real names. <laughs> Don't know a lot of the new schools real names. Um, except for Michael Burnham, her real name is Sonequa Martin Green. And that's only because um I wrote a brief mention of her in my free story starting. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. I know a lot of the new actors and actresses in the in the new. Um, I don't. Uh, I, I should say this. I don't know. I don't know many of them after Voyager. So I was not a Star Trek Enterprise fan, um, except for you know I knew Scott Bakula, but I knew him from Quantum Leap. Okay, here it is. She's. Chief Engineer Jet Reno of the USS Hiawathan in season two of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. All right. Well, cool. I've been, been looking. It's been a long time since I've seen season two. By the way, they're <laughs> they're on season five. They're about to they're about to start airing season five. All right. Yeah. Well, I I recently got rid of a whole bunch of my apps, but I kept Paramount. So now I, I have some new Star Trek trekking to do. So thank you for this, YM. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited. So um, out, out of curiosity, because yeah. Star Trek, when I, this is dating me, like there was only one Star Trek when right. I was growing up. So what are your thoughts about the original? So this is how I feel about the original. Um, I have not watched a lot of episodes of the original, but I consider the original canon. It's kind of the same way I feel about um, about superhero movies like the MCU and, you know, and DC and things like that. I'm not a comic book fan, but I consider those canon. So it's like, if you stray from that, I get kind of edgy if I know that you strayed, you know, and I have an appreciation for um, where it started, um, even if I don't exactly know all the episodes verbatim or something right. like that. Yeah. What uh, other kinds of geekdom sci-fi things besides Star Trek really light you up and, and are like part of your daily routine? So um, I uh, the reason why I started the podcast was um, because of actually because of Marvel and MCU and everything that they were doing there. And it was kind of taking me back to um, when I first had my first experience with Marvel, which is. Uh, the X-Men 
uh, Saturday morning comic. I didn't see it on Saturday mornings. I saw it when they did the replay in the afternoons for the Latchkey Kids. Yes, I was one of those. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So Marvel. Um, I geek out over Marvel. I watch old Star Trek episodes every day. They're like white noise. They're like my Going calm down at the end of the day. Um, those are my kind of two things, two geeky things that I go to all the time. Um, um, because Disney Plus has, well, because they have Marvel now, but they also got, you know, George Lucas and everything like that. I've started to kind of go back and look at some Star Wars things. And no, I'm not one of those people that are like, I love Star Trek and I hate Star Wars. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of those. Oh my God, you have a lightsaber. Yes. Yes. I'm loving this. I'm loving this. But um, yeah, aside from whatever controversy that happened with the Mandalorian, the social media, whatever controversy that happened with the Mandalorian, I love the story. I love the acting. Um, and I, I kind of like how that all played out. And um, Pedro Pascal is nice to look at, too. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So speaking <laughs> of Pedro Pascal, did, did you see um, Last of Us, that series? I have not seen that because I will say as much as I want to see that, I am a Frady cat. I do not do horror. Um, and zombies are OK. Thank you. OK. Yeah. Zombies are kind of. And I heard that they're fast moving zombies in that. And so that's going to scare me. Actually, things that scare me more than just blood and gut stuff. I, you know, I watch, I watch, um, Titans on, um, on HBO Max. And so they're bloody. Yeah. Um, especially this late, the latest season that I've seen, it's bloody. So it's not really blood and guts. It's like the scare factor and like, when things like move really fast at the camera and you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, meant to like freak you out in a moment. Yeah. That, that bugs me. Well, <laughs> I can't I'll do say, it. Like last of us has it's eight episodes and I'd say there's maybe 20 to 30 seconds total. Like you add up all those jump scare elements. Mm -hmm. It doesn't lean on that at all. Okay. And I'll even say like it's it's it got an intensity to it, but the okay. violence most of it's off camera. So, but when I say off camera, like you may see someone who's pummeled, but yeah. the person being pummeled is off camera. So you're just seeing like the action, but you're yeah. not seeing the result of the action, right? Okay. And this it's one of the great things about that series is that it leverages the human dynamic as opposed to the visual shock factor just right. perfectly. Yeah. Oh, good. Right. So there's see, enough. That's why I want to see it. That's, yeah. that, that's what's drawing me to see it. I just need to get up my courage. There's <laughs> enough scary zombies for you to buy that it's real and you, everyone's in danger. Yeah. And then, then it's all about how these people interact and what are the emotions they're experiencing and who, how did, the, where did this character come from? Like, 
Yeah, it was a, it's a great series for sure. And I never played the video game. I didn't even know there was a video game until yeah, I saw the, started, the TV yeah. show. Right. Speaking well, of which, are you a gamer? I am not a gamer. And one of my best friends from high school mm-hmm. is definitely a gamer. And I know I'm going to be leaning on her because I'm going to write a gamer in a future novel. Um, but it's been so long since I've done any gaming. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it, but I'm, I'm so not, yeah, I don't, I don't have the yeah. I think Greg's more of a gamer than any of us in this conversation right now. Okay. <laughs> so what was the seed that was in you where you started writing novels? So I've really been writing since high school. My um the friend that I mentioned that's a gamer, um, Bethany Devores, she um she and I used to Right. And she was like my first critique partner. We would pass each other chapters of what we were writing awesome. <laughs> between classes and things like that. But, you know, um, as you graduate high school, undergrad, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's like you got to get a job, a real <laughs> job. You got to, you know, make make a few, you know, pay a few bills here and there. So it kind of um, died off there. Well, I was still writing, but I wasn't thinking about publishing until um, kind of recently thinking, hey, I, I can do this, you know. And um, part of it was the fact that I did see her publish a couple of fantasy Actually, they would be um, fantasy novels with romance, and they have a nerdy, um, geeky uh, female main character. And I was like, you know what? If she's doing it while she also has a day job, then I can do it while I also have a day job as well. And, you know, just you just things just kind of fell into place there. Um you know, and kept me moving forward. And so as of last year, I published my first, my debut novel, first novel length work. So the accidental swipe. Yes. It's here. (laughs) And it's a finalist in the stiletto contest. Can you say anything about what the stiletto contest is? So it is a um, contest that is sponsored by the contemporary Contemporary Romance Writers Group, um, and uh, they are a, a virtual uh, romance writers association, um, so they're kind of national, and this contest um, has, uh, they do a, they call it the stiletto contest, but it, it's basically, you know, just the best of contemporary romance that's out there that's entered and I just became a finalist from that. Um, I entered when um, the book had not been published um, yet. And so um, that actually, by being a finalist there, that actually gave me confidence to actually go ahead and publish it. Wow. So, awesome. Come on. Yeah. so is this a genre that, that- is this a kind of niche genre, the the nerdy romance? I mean, it sounds like just you and your friend right now, but of course, I have no <laughs> idea because I don't. I'm not swimming in that stream. 
So um, I'm coining it. <laughs> I'm going to coin it. But there, there are a lot of, I will say there are a lot of authors out there now that are writing romance with, um, you know, nerdy heroes and heroines or, you know, nerdy main characters, uh, main characters in STEM. I think probably the most, um, I would say famous one right now is Allie Hazelwood. She uh, writes a lot of folks in STEM. Um, Olivia Dade, had, uh, her first novel was, um, the female main character was an archaeologist. I the STEM stands for, stand for something? Yes, yeah, STEM, science and technology, engineering and math. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Right. So this um, is an area in education where women have been typically underrepresented. Yes. And and so the educational movement around STEM is where this comes from. This term comes from. Yes. And um and as far as the nerd pop culture side, like my my main characters aren't necessarily in STEM, but um but for the nerd pop culture side, there are a few novels out there that, you know, they have gamers or they have, you know, people who like superheroes or, you know, Trekkie kind of things. They're they're out there, but it's not necessarily gotten niche yet. You know, like enough to be a a subgenre yet. Do you think you're outliers like us outlaws? Yeah. (laughs) Was Fifty Shades of Grey a romantic novel? Yes, it's considered erotic romance. So, as your as erotica part of your? Oh, well, let me say this: Is there a differentiation between a romantic novel and an erotica novel? Yes. Yes. There is. There is erotic romance and there is erotica. So erotic romance has to meet all of the romance um, formulas, which means it has to actually be a love story. It has to have a, hep- a happily ever after or happy for now at the end. Or happy for now. Yes. I love that. I yes. love that. <laughs> sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, okay, we're good right now. But you know, maybe later on down the road it's not like a they're Jimmy together forever. And... Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So So do most of your erotic- books oh, I'm, I'm sorry, was, go ahead. Oh, um, I was gonna say erotica focuses on the sex. So it's more like showing these people, um, you know, in their in their sexual journey, those kinds of things. And they're having sex and they're having a good time, but they may not end up together. It may just be, you know, nice night out and nice night after. And that's it. <laughs> so with your sort of work you're doing. Where does this fall on the scale? It's more towards the romantic side, right? And with maybe hints of the erotic, but right. Is that true? Or? Uh, well, I'm actually what they call right now. I'm actually what they call steamy romance. So if you think of a spectrum, like sweet romance is, um, and they call it heat levels, you know, right. Sweet romance is, um, they, Maybe they kiss once on page, but that's it. 
You know, you don't see a sex scene on page. So it'd be like a Hallmark movie. Right. That, that's sweet romance. And a lot of Hallmark movies uh, come from sweet romance novels. And then um, there's kind of a sweet with heat gap in there um, that is kind of blossoming now that um, where there might be kissing on page. There might be other stuff on page, but then they close the door to their bedroom. So you don't see that. And then there's steamy where you're going to see sex scenes on page. Um, and I'm kind of a little bit on the lower end of that because I don't do a lot of, I do mild cursing, which some people consider that more steamy. I don't know why cursing is steamy. I have no oh. idea. But, um, it doesn't turn me on. <laughs> and, yeah, me neither. Um, but also I don't do a lot of like graphic descriptions of what's going on, you know. Thing. But we're yeah. in the bedroom. In your stories, we're in the bedroom. Yeah, like like they will go to the bedroom. You will see that. You will see it all happen, but it just won't be in graphic detail. And then on the higher end of steamy is you're seeing graphic detail. And then there's erotic romance, you know, where you're seeing a lot of graphic detail and then there's erotica, which is outside of romance. But yeah. And so why I'm Nelson, you living at this apex of these great characters and having enough humanity that they can have passion and yeah. romantic and then a little steaminess. Right. Yes. And then what kinds of um, pathos do you like for your characters? Like what? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go through like the whole arc of stories. Yeah. Do you have a particular framework that you're excited about? Is it science fiction? Is it, you know, what, what are the, the trials that they go through? Kind of? yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, also I, um, so I, I'm writing, um, mainly romance right now, but also I have a heavy bent towards women's fiction. Mm. Which with women's fiction, it basically uh, kind of bad name, <laughs> but because anybody can read women's fiction, you don't have to be a woman to read it. You don't have to be a woman to write it. But mm -hmm. uh, but women's fiction focuses on the emotional journey of someone. So somebody emotionally is at one place at the beginning of the novel and then they're going through things to come to an emotional um, kind of understanding about themselves. And so that is a big, heavy kind of, that's the trial part of most of my books. They go from an unfulfilled kind of place or a not so whole kind of place. And they come out emotionally, at least emotionally understanding of where they are may not necessarily be emotionally um, whole or emotionally healthy because who is? <laughs> That's part of your whole life is trying to get emotionally um, into emotional acceptance. A lot of my, um, really what I'm writing right now, a lot of it is trying to, to get people 
um, or these characters, <laughs> people, imaginary people, to get <laughs> these characters from a place of not knowing where they fit into in the world and coming to a place of, I am at midlife. I don't consider this midlife yet, but midlife. Um, and I have been kind of living someone else's dream and who who am I emotionally and what do I want out of life and why am I not fulfilled now? And then by the end they get, they get fulfilled. Um, the second part of kind of the conflicts that I'm dealing with that I'm, that I've kind of been writing about are societal. And I think part of that has to do with my nerd bent. If you're a Trekkie, then you know that Star Trek is not really about aliens. It's really about trying to figure out the human condition and how we get together um, as people who may look different from each other, who may think differently from each other, who have different kind of values. And so a few societal things have started creeping up in my in my writing and I'm point pulling those out. So in my first book in the accidental swipe, it was about body image and Mm. body positivity um, and dating. And book two of this is going to focus on racism and racial uh, trying to, to come to a more racially harmonious place. So Uh, since pop culture is part of your vibe. Have you um, had in your realm, um, I think it, he refers to his podcast as Club Shay Shay? Yes, I've heard of Club Shay Shay. Uh, did you check out Cat Williams and the recent Monique? You know what? I have not actually watched all of it yet. I haven't seen all of it yet. I'm kind of been kind of in discussions of that. And I, I kind of wanted to like, not part of me, not doesn't want to see it. Cause I don't want to get a, you know, kind of weird feeling about these uh, folks, but, um, but yeah, I, yeah. I've heard about it and I, I've heard about what goes on, but with the Monique situation, I feel like, uh, with her um, situation, she's really expanding on kind of stuff that she's already talked about. So I kind of already know where she's she's going with that. I well, haven't seen Cat Williams. Though, so, so one of the things that I've been dwelling on mm-hmm. is multiple opinions of experience, like taking Monique. She has her experience with the two main individuals she's outing. But then I also saw, you know, let's just say Tyler Perry, but I watched his um, documentary on HBO. And then I was talking about it with a friend last night. I was giving a ride to the airport and she's Native American. We sort of landed on this place of people are people. Mm -hmm. There's good people. There's bad people. We make mistakes. And it seems like in this realm of racism, there's a lot of this blanket statement. Like if you're black X, if you're white Y, if you're native, and it's like, wait, 
we're there's this realm of humanity that's all encompassing with the dark and the light of it. Um, there's no question here. I realize. <laughs> well, I, well, I want to. I do want to make a comment on that. Actually, um, as far as it, when it and it refers to romance, because I had a kind of in depth discussion with um, some other romance authors a few days ago about. Um, you know, about the romance author world and romances and who's reading them and everything like that. And my kind of feeling I get as well is that there are varying experiences. Black people are not a monolith. Native Americans aren't a monolith. Um, you know, um, there's so many Latin influence influence Hispanic whatever cultures that you can't even they don't even say that they're a monolith (laughs) I mean you know they're not Um, and having more representation out there is beneficial to show that because there's no way I'm going to say that um, you know uh that one cis hetero white man is the same as the other. We don't even think that way. You know, if I see George Clooney in a movie, I'm thinking George Clooney. I'm not thinking he's a representative of a white dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you see, um, you know, if you see Monique in a movie or if you see Taraji P. Henson in a movie, you're thinking black women. And and it's like, no, Mm. these women are two totally different women. Right. And they have totally different experiences. And the only way that you're going to get out of that whole monolith thing is by actually having more voices contribute their experiences to the conversation so that you can get a better picture. You know, this is where the mythos of Star Trek is so important because one of its core values has been to dissolve our predispositions and find a way to create a fabric from just the, the, the human fabric of who we are, not what we think of each other and based on how we appear to each other. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Um, I love that these questions come up because I think one of the functions of storytelling is for generations to get a sense of how do I, sh- how can I show up better in my life? Like mm-hmm. there's a functional aspect of telling stories that's really, a, it's the original life coaching. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. So in Stardate, which is a pamphlet you can get if you go to YM's website, um, ymnelson.com. Yeah, ymnelson.com backslash subscribe. So it's a free story that you'll... In that story, Mm -hmm. there's this thing that happens between Brandon and Phoenix, which is there's this initial hostility that that turns into romance. What do you think that is about uh, male-female dynamics? You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to say I love a good enemies to lovers kind of thing. I love the friction that happens when that happens. So that was just part of me writing that. (laughs) But um, I will also say that 
um, for me and kind of as I'm delving more into the women's fiction side or into the what is the motivation behind these characters and also kind of looking at that, you know, for myself is that we come into any kind of relationship with preconceived notions based on our own experience. And, you know, if you're a single guy out there who hasn't really had, I mean, he's, he was divorced. His, you know, his, you know, person was like, like, whatever, let's get married. And then whatever, let's get divorced kind of thing. So he's coming to this whole situation and looking at Phoenix and is like, she's kind of annoying. <laughs> Because she's not, you know, she's not going with the flow here. You know, she's kind of messing up my whole vibe. And then, too, um, you know, he's more kind of an analytical kind of person. And when you're looking at things with those eyes, especially when you're a Trekkie and it's like, oh, my gosh, this person has on this uniform. Oh, my gosh, this person is not doing this right there is a there is kind of a little bit of a part of that was a little bit of like a a fan culture kind of vibe that I noticed that that people have around nerd pop culture stuff um especially with the comic book stuff like that's how i that's why I have like a respect for people who read comic books and what was in the comic book because there are some serious purists out there who are like, <laughs> you didn't get this right. I'm not going to lie though. Um, like one of the first Spider-Man's uh, movies, um, they didn't get the webbing part right. Like he didn't generate the webbing and they generated and they had, they were showing that he was generating the webbing and I was like, no, he right. used to run out of canisters. The canisters yes. used to empty. Yeah, but what, yeah. have you guys seen Into the Spideyverse, the two Spidey? I haven't seen the second one, but I've seen the first one, and I think the second one may now be on Disney Plus because I think Disney now owns a, a right. lot of it. Yeah, they're getting the rights back. Marvel is getting the rights back to a lot of their stuff. But the first one was amazing. Zing. The second one is as amazing. Really? It really is. It's and part of what is awesome is this element of infinity. That's part of my things is infinity. Yeah. Like so there is the potential, like this Spidey is generating the web from his biology because that's that realm. Mm-hmm. That multiverse. Yeah. Has the multiverse, that, yeah, has that yeah. story. Got it. Yeah, and you get you get it more with DC, um, which is why I really yeah. wish DC would would get their act together because they have amazing characters. Jack Kirby started with the most amazing characters, and they have this whole multiverse thing where you could do so much with that, but they just keep kind of falling on it, but. But kind of to get back to the whole man woman kind of thing, you know, I think it really is just a difference of how we look at the world. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't necessarily think it's even a gender thing. It's more of an experience thing. Okay. So have you found in your own life that for you to have a healthy romantic relationship with another, I'm going to say man, I don't know. Yeah, man, I'm hetero. Yes. Okay. So that, the, but I'm an ally, by the way. I am an ally. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, for it to be a healthy romantic relationship, there is a fundamental acknowledgement of an overt maleness in this individual and an overt feminism, feminist, fem, feminine energy in yourself. Like, there's, we have all of these energies but an overtness to it. Does that make sense what I'm asking about? It makes sense, but it makes sense, but I buck that in every book that I will probably write. Cause I write, I write and I love cinnamon roll heroes and for non-romance folks, what that means is the guy is emotional. He expresses a lot of emotion he, you know, he's he going to tell you how he feels. Now, with the accidental swipe with Jason, he's he's a cinnamon roll hero in that, you know, he's going to show his feelings. But he's also, he does bring that masculine energy. He's very much, I mean, he owns a construction company. So he's going to bring that energy. Um, so, you know, for... The guys in a lot of my books, they, they do feel, and I want to, I actually, to be honest, I do that not for, not to say, you know, the gender is on a spectrum or anything. I don't do it for that, but I really do it more for mental health because, uh, guys, y'all don't, you really don't have, Socially and societally, I mean, you don't, it's like it's it's not okay to cry. (laughs) You know, it's like, why? Why Well, I want to ask a question. That that may be an older generation thing, right? But that's where I, that's where I am. So it's like, it's not part of that masculine energy to cry. So it's really more of a mental health thing for me than it is showing a guy being more feminine and um and also for my female characters um i like showing them doing more things that are quote unquote masculine you know powerful right with agency they have agency exactly and And to me, for me, in my experience, that's just always how I've been. I mean, the black women in my family, you know, they've, you know, a lot of them have had strong guys by their sides, but they have always been strong themselves. I think for black women, um, on a whole, it may be a, a little bit different. We're not overtly, overtly, overtly like, oh my gosh, dripping, you know, Fem, uh, you know, not a lot of the ones that I know, I should say. There's some cultural conditions that force this in black yes. women. Yes. And that is tragic. The idea that yes. women, black women are strong as a trope is problematic, I think, on a fundamental it is. level. And that it very much is. And we should acknowledge that the legacy of that 
is based to some degree on the way that women have had to respond in their lives, women of color. Yes. And I think it's amazing. It's like, we should celebrate the power of people in general. And when we have a strong female character, for me, one of the sort of polarities and, and difficulties is, Oh, if, if she could really just sink into her feelings of safety a little bit more, her emotional experience might be more rich. She could be more trusting. She could feel more too. Right. And so it's a, it's this dichotomy, this dual edged sort of, okay. Yeah. There's agency and there's power and there's strength here, but it, what's it costing her on the feminine spectrum of being able to surrender and feel safe and have a rich sensual experience. That's, that's part of the feminine an experience. So I, I love this idea. And then I had a question about the cinnamon roll male character. <laughs> yeah. I want to just get some clarity because I live at an aspirational point in my work, which is about this idea of dynamic men have dynamic range and they can be stoic in the positive sense of that word, strong and capable of production and protection and provision. But at the same side that they don't have to lose emotional intelligence and empathy and the ability to have clear, concise emotional communication. Yeah. So is that what you describe as a cinnamon roll male character? Does that encompass that or is it something different? So that's what I, that's how I approach it. Um, And that's not necessarily how the, um, that's not necessarily how the the genre. genre approaches it. So in know? the genre, is it more a pejorative? As in... Cinnamon roll male characters are weak and, and flawed? No, no. Okay. Not, not like that. They're just... They're just um, very emotional. It's, they're, they're closer... They're not necessarily dealing with the... Am I strong... Am I weak kind of thing? They're just like, I'm going to talk about my feelings (laughs) and I'm going to, you know, whatever. They're just, you know, they're just, they're not necessarily dealing with it. They just are. They're present to their humanity. Yes. And, Which and, we need and more like of. I, said, like, yeah. I just want to encourage the men that are listening. We need more of your presence. And I your encourage you to not listen to Mark. He is a cinnamon roll, wet, mealy piece of. <laughs> oh, here we go. Flour. Here we go. <laughs> well, um, and see, and see, the thing too is you got to think that you know, even though I, as an author, and I have a couple of English degrees too. So, you know, um, as a, a person who's looking at literature and thinking about literature in the future, you know, when, you know, I'm long gone and how does this speak to me at this particular age? Um, a, a lot of romance um, that's out there. I mean, romance first and foremost is out there for entertainment. And so basically, especially a lot of the romance that's written to market, in other words, writing to what people want, it's giving that kind of, a a lot of times I hear readers say, this is my escape from real life. This is my, 
this is my, you know, I'm just getting out of kind of the reality. And so I don't necessarily want, I want the guy who's loving and who's emotional and who can actually communicate with me versus my husband over here who is just sitting around and he's watching whatever and he doesn't want to communicate with me or whatever. So it's more of this guy is a cinnamon roll. He has golden retriever energy, which means, you know, he's, he is happy. He is chill. He is expressing his feelings and that is how he is. And that is it. But he's, all, he's that's a dog that, also. Say that again. He's a dog also. No, he's not. You can't trust him. He's a dog. <laughs> oh, no. So no. how does the cinnamon roll guy wait Romance readers are going to fight you on that. They are going right. to fight I'm you. Okay. So okay. does this does this guy what's his steamy rating? This this guy this the cinnamon roll guy like is, Oh gosh, yeah, the um you you see him in sweet romance, you see him in steamy romance. You're going to see him He's you like know. a wingman in a steamy romance, right? He's like no, Jason is totally not a wingman in his room, but he's totally a cinnamon roll. And Brandon is not a wingman in his. It's just if the reader, if the reader is looking for this hero, he's she's she or he or whoever's reading the book is looking for this personality, then that's what you give them if that's what you're writing. There are also there are also straight up alpha males and alpha holes and you know if you want that kind of romance then you get that. Oh that's in a lot of steamy romance though. I I will say alpha males and and alpha holes those those character those are so, those wait, are romance character archetypes. Can we change that name? Alpha Hoes seems like it's not the best idea. Alpha Hoes like A-Hoes. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> not like hoes. <laughs> okay. I misunderstood could you. could be that too. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> um, Got it. But, Got it. but Alpha Hoes like A-Hoes. Like, yeah, I didn't want to. Yeah. yeah, now I get it. So I have the two questions, but let me ask this question. Do you integrate your personal life, your history, your journey as a young woman into your stories? Like I'm thinking of um, the two stories that came up was, um, what is it? Nothing rhymes with orange. I forget the English author's name. And she's a gay woman who grew up in Catholic. Okay. That mm -hmm. There was, and then also a hundred years of solitude mm -hmm. and how much culture was in there. Is that something you consciously bring into your writing? When I just first started writing and wasn't even thinking about publishing, no, that was not something I thought about. When I see a female main character, I'm always seeing myself though, a little bit. You know, there's going to be a little nugget of me in there. Um, but now that I've published and people are reading my work, I realize that it's not just about writing a cool love story to escape in. It's also, I could also be kind of reaching somebody that may need, I don't know, may need to see themselves in this character, or I may need to 
speak to someone who don't have, who doesn't have any idea of what a black woman goes through or why these people, you know, they may see on the news, somebody is, um, you know, in a march for something and they are just like clueless and because they don't have the experience and maybe my story can reach them. So I now realize that I am consciously writing in those kinds of things like, yeah. So you mentioned earlier that mental health is a big part of the um, process that you're writing for. Like you, that's an integral piece of your writing. Yeah. And it, and it didn't, it wasn't always that way. I think like uh, with, with the accidental swipe, I wrote that before the pandemic, I think now, Everything that's that I'm writing now or everything that I've even kind of started writing and haven't finished now has a pandemic kind of taint to it a little bit. And part of what I saw that was alarming for me um, that the pandemic kind of exacerbated is the fact that we do not have a focus on mental health in America and we need it. Yeah. And um, and I have kind of a respect, um, although I don't have a lot of knowledge of it. I'm getting there, but I have a lot of respect for um, for Eastern Asian kind of cult, the the culture of bringing your mental health and your physical health together mm. and having that as kind of a whole body kind of thing. And um, so I'm looking at mental health and how we view it in America and kind of trying at least if I'm going to talk about emotional journeys in my book, I need to bring a mental health and a mental wellness component to it. You know, such a heavy lift. It is. And I'm just writing a, a cute love story. Just writing a rom-com. It's like, why am I bringing... Well, just like there's a steamy will... scale, there's there's probably a, a, a mental health scale that's like that. Like, there's a point at which you can start to hint at the mental health discoveries, yeah. at, at which is what we might call rudimentary or more commonplace dilemmas that we face where people they she's too shy to speak up or he's too shy to speak up that's a form of Mm -hmm. mental health right and so yeah there's a spectrum available to you and how heavy you get into it i think yeah it, it totally is and um i will say um someone who's who i admire who um is doing this on a grand scale um, but also keeping the romance and the romantic comedy kind of element um, and the fun element in it is Talia Hibbert, okay. Talia Hibbert. And um, she is a British romance writer and she is awesome hmm. at doing this. And, I will never do, I will probably, I I shouldn't say never, never say never, but I don't foresee myself in the future writing about people's mental health, about 
mental um, differences. I'm not going to say disorders. I'm going to say mental differences and differences. Neurodivergence. Yes, neurodivergence. She writes a lot of neurodivergent characters, and um, she does it amazingly well. Mm. And um, I will never be on that spectrum <laughs> that part of the spectrum, Got it. but, but I'm not going to, I realize now that I cannot avoid that in my writing. Mm. So you're working on another project coming up called the secret second chances. Yes. Can you is talk that, a little bit about what that is? Oh yes, definitely. Uh, secret second chances is actually a retelling of the first story that I ever put out there in 2017. I put out a little test story called 24 hours of freedom. And that was the beginning of my publishing career. Like I said, I had always been writing, um, but I never really thought about publishing um, anything and getting my work out there. And um, now that I've kind of made some, I guess, some moves. Yeah, some moves, some choices about where I want my writing to go. That story needs to change. And, uh, Secret Second Chances is, um, is a little bit of a romantic suspense. So it's romance with a little suspenseful kind of, twist to it but it's friends to lovers so not enemies to lovers like a lie but, <laughs> but these people have been friends but then they weren't then then they weren't friends and now they're getting back you know together and they're realizing oh you know what we actually do like each other you know and but there's this whole nefarious kind of um, issue going on with the hero of that his name is Owen and um, he has a whole business debacle, fiasco kind of thing that happens. And that's actually threatening um, his relationship with Michaela, who is his former best friend and second chance romance. So do you think it's possible in real life for a healthy romance to happen with a very successful together woman and a broken man, broken economically, broken emotionally, broken mentally. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think it could happen. I think possibly what happens and what I've kind of seen happen in, in, in real life kind of circumstances is that one tends to be a nurturer, right? If you have, if, if the woman that's together is kind of also a, a bit of a nurturer, we, we, we see the potential. If there's potential for the guy and we see the potential, we're going for it because, because we're, you know, if, if you're that type of woman, you're going for that because you see the potential. Someone you know. I'm very close to was was in that. And I say was because now this individual has taken a step up and is more self-reliant. And it's uh -huh. been a challenge in the relationship because 
the other individual was very used to being the nurturer, the caregiver, the s- provider, yeah. and that's not needed anymore. Yeah. So there's a that's threat. What happens in that di- yeah. And that's what happens in that dynamic. You know, when you have that dynamic happen, it, it, there's a potential for it. No, depending on whoever is the nurturer and whoever is, yeah, that, that dynamic does happen. It's because that person may be at a place. And and again, I'm no psychologist or no psychiatrist or anything like that, but that person may be in a place where they just needed somebody to push them into who they're supposed to be. Right. So who they're supposed to be may be a self-reliant person. Right. Right. And the hope is that they can both step forward with that new reality, which is really, if we're talking about long-term romance, that is life because we do change. We evolve and things All shift. All the time. Exactly. All the time. And um, and whereas, you know, the accidental swipe, I'm not, well, again, never say never, but that, that story is, I'm done with that story. <laughs> you know, that story is over, you know, but... Um, in real life, if these people really exist, these people are still going on and they still in, in life happens, things change, you know. And so, um, you know, it, it may happen that these people end up growing apart because they've evolved. You ever thought of writing a story that ends in that realm? Well, that can, you know, actually, <laughs> I didn't want to bring this up. No, <laughs> no, actually, no. <laughs> um, actually, it's uh, that was the first story that I thought about publishing was, and that's that's why my stories are not just romance. They're also I also write romantic women's fiction and and women's fiction because women's fiction is about an emotional journey, and so. Uh, the first story that I thought about publishing, so that's actually back there on the shelf behind me and may never get published. It started off that way, right? Mm-hmm. She, what she really thought she wanted or what she really thought she needed was a romantic relationship. And what she ended up finding out was that she needed to find herself, which there are, I mean, that's not the only one that's, well, on the shelf, but um, there are a lot of women's fiction stories that that's how they end up. They end up, and it doesn't end up in a happily ever after, which is why you can't call it romance. And that's that's what happens. That's why so I've written of, it. <laughs> I uh, haven't published it, uh, but I've written it. <laughs> have you thought about doing uh, something that's specific and for graphic novel publication? I have not. I I have. That's kind of like a um, a little secret kind of I wish kind of thing, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I do like the whole I do have that whole appreciation for comic books, appreciation for superheroes and things like that. So having a graphic novel of one of my novels would be really, really cool. But it's not something that I'm thinking about for near future at all. As you think about growing as a creative, Mm -hmm. 
Do you think about writing new novels with the potential of them being series or film? Uh, oh my, always. Um, the way that I write um, or the way that inspiration comes to me um, is more more visual than auditory. Sometimes with fiction writers, they hear the character speaking and they're like, I got to write this down. But I usually see a scene and a lot of things that I've written, I've imagined like what this could look like on film. So that's, and I've, and I've kind of dabbled a little bit in writing screenplays. I just, I realized I'm not a screenplay, screenplay Mm. writer, at least not right now, but I, but that's kind of how I see the story. That's kind of how the story comes to me. It comes to me in, in kind of a film way. And uh, romance is very series heavy right now, especially contemporary romance. It's very series heavy for a bunch of different reasons. So I'm all, I'm also thinking more in series than I did when I, before I first started publishing, I just, thought about, you know, characters. I wrote this story. I was done with it. But now people are like, so what's next with these people? Or what's the next thing? So it's like I'm thinking more in series, you know, novel-wise. Right. But uh, but I, I will say I have a Pinterest I have a Pinterest uh, account, also author William Nelson. Um, and I fan cast all of my books. What's so, I, so basically like who's gonna play this person who's gonna play this person yeah all right so yeah so you'd love to see one of these things made into a film or a tv series at some point yes awesome. <laughs> i would awesome. love that yeah um how can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, interact with you on some level what's the best way for them to do that um, best way is, um, if you're a social media person, best way is Facebook or Instagram. I love my Facebook. I love my Instagram. Um, those are, uh, but I'm author, author YM Nelson everywhere, um, on social media. I'm on, um, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. Um, and now I am, uh, put I put my podcast out on YouTube, so um, I am actually trying to get more content out there on YouTube. I'm delving delving into the video. If you know me from before, then you know I'm not really a video person, but I'm delving into video now. So um, I'm I really like kind of YouTube. Um, and uh, if you're if you want to know more about my work or anything like that, the best way to do that is to subscribe to my newsletter. That's com backslash subscribe. And that's how I got to peek into Stardate. Yeah. I subscribe to that. And uh, I'm looking forward to receiving your um, information and, and the things that come out through that. It's going to be exciting. Go. Cool. We, Greg, do you want to tell her? Well, before we ask that question, do do we have five more minutes? Yes. YM, do you have five more minutes? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
You alluded to earlier about body image, and that was one of the themes going on. And you just now spoke of how you weren't a video person. I'm wondering if that came from your personal body image and that you've gone through a journey in that realm that now you're at a healthy place with. Um, short answer is yes, um, but not a uh, but. Longer answer is not just because not really so much body image as race. Um, there was a point very early on where I was thinking maybe I shouldn't show my face because um, people are going to think black person. Why should I read this? I'm not a black person kind of thing. So it wasn't necessarily body size at all. It was, or body image. It was more of race and kind of expectations of what people were, you know, how people would perceive me and perceive my books racially. And this is why we need to work on mental health people, because creative people like you, I am Nelson should not have to grapple with that as part of your creative process. You should be feeling welcome and be able to shine with all of your beauty and all of your incredible talent and creativity without having to contend with that question. It breaks my heart to hear that that was happening. Yeah. (sighs) And, you know, know, I I will I will say this, too. It's also why we need to have more voices, because once you realize that it's not so much um, there, there are actually very few differences. And the things that are different about us um, as far as racially or culturally or whatever are things that can be appreciated and can be integrated kind of in our own experiences. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, and, and two, you know, I've been reading white authors all my life, right. You know, it's like, I, I've, I've learned something about myself, you know, reading white authors. Why can't, other people learn something about themselves reading my work. Well, for me on a, my academic journey, Bell Hooks was the woman that I read. Where I was like, oh, someone's finally talking about all this shit I've been feeling my whole life. See, exactly. Exactly. There's so many experiences out there and we limit ourselves kind of based on what who we are and what we know instead of wanting to expand ourselves and or expand our knowledge and therefore understand more about ourselves. Right. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Exactly. (laughs) If you don't mind my giving myself some flowers here. Like I, that I'm recalling when I was hearing a lot of shit about um, Reverend Farrakhan and I'm have Jewish heritage in my heritage. Mm. Um, and he was coming to San Francisco where I live. And I thought, well, let me go check this gentleman out and see what he's about personally. Cause I'm everything I've got is hearsay. I personally experienced a very peaceful man who was very wise. Afterwards, 
one of my friends of color was saying, well, behind closed doors, I think other things are happening. But again, he wasn't behind those doors. That's what he's been hearing. I think if we relied on personal experience with each other, we'd have a far healthier mental state of living. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. We need more yes. more personal interaction and more personal interaction with um people who are not in our same sphere. Uh you can meet me in my books. I, I'm, I'm definitely there. And mm. I think a lot of authors that are real, that really, that's kind of where they express themselves. You can meet them in their books. You know, there are there are authors out there who are, you know, writing to market and things like that. But but a lot of writers who just who love the craft of writing and who are very expressive about kind of writing and those kinds of things, you can meet them in their books, you know, and, um, and, and that's that. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. On that. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So much gratitude for the, the vision that you painted and the insight you've given us. You've really shown what you're up to and the, uh, and the environment you're operating in. And I just kept getting this vision of, of, of you. And I'm like, what's she going to do when she's like, all she has to do is write. Like, I can't wait for that phase of your life. Um, I I will say this though. um, I don't know if I'm ever, ever going to get to, I might, I might get to that phase. Um, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to that phase because I've also, um, I also teach part-time. I teach college part-time. I teach English. And I love when that light of understanding comes on. Now, granted, I will not teach anything below college. That, that, that's a mess. But, um, but yeah, I, I would love to get to a place where I'm writing full-time and teaching part-time. All right. That's going to be an amazing place where right. I'm, yeah. That's going to be an amazing place. Well, we need to wrap this up. I have, we have to do this soon, but uh, we want to ask the question we ask every guest. Okay. And we, we actually, this is a really important question to us. It may seem frivolous, but it's not to us anyway. And we love asking it. So here it is. Okay. Okay. Eminem or Foo Fighters. Oh man. Uh, Eminem and, uh, I'm also going to have to give a shout out to Nirvana, which is right before Foo Fighters. Um, yeah, but Eminem right now. (laughs) I want to say more about why Eminem was your choice. Um, only because, um, with Foo Fighters, that was just a party thing for me. Eminem, you just, you you feel more journey again, going back to emotional journey. I'm going back to kind of, you know, it's, it's not just about, um, celebrity or performance for him. I see other stuff going on there, right? Like life journey stuff. And, uh, also I'm not going to lie. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think with rap music back in the day is a lot like, especially with lyricists, you know, people who write their, you know, write their lyrics. Um, it was very much expression. It was very much less talk about what's happening during those, during these times. Let me give you my experience. And as an author, I connect to that so much. And, um, you know, I will say I am, like I said, I'm closer to the whole Nirvana thing than I am to Foo Fighters. And that's just, that's just kind of in that era, like when Eminem started out, I was young in that era and you grew up with that. And then I grew up with Nirvana on, on that side too. Yeah. 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 High school music. Yes. (laughs) There's yeah. always a fondness for high school music. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Well, why am um, it has really been a pure pleasure to hang with you. This has been awesome, y'all. <laughs> I mean, really awesome. I've had so much fun being here. Good luck with your podcast, the Thank Nerdy you. Romantics podcast. And uh, again, just so that everyone remembers one more time, it's ymnelson.com. If you want to know more and and really connect with yeah, with you, yeah, yeah, and read her books. Yes, read my books. I'm there. <laughs> Recording stopped. <laughs>